0: My name is Scott Chaloner, and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of this programme will know, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership, and to this end, we're joined on the programme today by Shirley Gaston. Shirley, good morning and welcome to you. Thanks very much for joining us on the programme.
1: Morning
0: thank you and for those listeners tuning in who aren't familiar with shirley she is a business leader who is founding director of azesta a professional development and training firm based in harrogate north yorkshire and azesta specializes in using experiential learning techniques in order to help people develop um so shirley um that's obviously sort of a vague overview as to what it is that your organization does Azesta. and you know you've established that business um in the uh, the late 1990s the first organization you've ever led um, what was it that sort of made the decision for you to kind of go into business for yourself and specifically sort of this industry? When did you realize that that was going to be your pathway?
1: Um, well, it's interesting because originally I was going to um, study law, um, but I I felt that school had put me into that rather than me actually wanting to do it. So I didn't. And uh, after spending a bit of time traveling, I um, did a qualification in teaching a foreign language to help me with my traveling, really. And I enjoyed that and decided to do a degree in education. So I did a degree in education and it was after that, while I was traveling again, having another year out in New Zealand, um, that I came across rote courses. Um, And, you know, went on one myself, was sort of really blown away by the experience and thought, wow, this could have really great applications for learning. Um, So basically returned to the UK um, and set one up um, outside Harrogate at Ritter Castle at that time.
0: Fantastic and when we talk about sort of experiential learning techniques I mean without sort of giving too much away what might that sort of look like what kind of experiences do you use to educate people in that way?
1: Yeah well so because of my experience in New Zealand I started off by incorporating into learning high and low rope exercises um, and did that for probably about the first 10-15 years um, of the business but the experiences that we incorporate into learning can be anything and so as well as the high and low ropes you know we might use um walks around the lake where we're discussing things we might do tai chi we might use horses we might use actors and more recently um just i suppose because of how mobile it is one of the things that i do is just take lots and lots of different problem solving exercises around the country um we we take those they're often uh, made by Metalog, which is a german company um but it, it is really a whole variety of things that you include in experiential learning and it isn't just the tasks and exercises it's also making every part of the learning experiential so If, for example, you're teaching people a particular model, maybe it's a leadership model, then instead of just telling them about it, you know, or showing slides about it or whatever, you would get them to build it, get them to understand it, get them to apply it to their working environment.
0: Fantastic. And um, obviously experience, um, your whole mantra is that experience is one of the greatest teachers for sort of leaders within any position. And I suppose Mm -hmm. away from the services that you offer, one of the best experiences that you probably can have is sort of dealing with sort of setbacks and crisis situations and using that to learn and develop. And I think it's fair to say that in your experience running your own business, you had to sort of deal with plenty of those. I mean, we've had, of course, the, uh, you know, the financial crisis. We've had um, Mm -hmm. sort of the advent of uh, Brexit, which came about pretty much at the same time as the uh, the recent COVID-19 pandemic as well. Um, given, of course, that COVID um, has been such um, a huge, huge challenge and such a tragedy for so many. I do want to dwell on that first and foremost. Um, How was that operationally a challenge for you and how did you sort of adapt to those various issues that lockdown threw up for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was kind of particularly difficult for our company because being an experiential learning company we are known for getting together face-to-face with big groups of people. So not the best kind of business to be running um, in a crisis which involves not getting close to people anymore. Um, The way it affected us, I guess the easiest way to think about it is on one particular day um, in March, 2020 we had 150,000 pounds of business cancelled on one day so the impact was sort of fairly major Mm. um, from that point of view but I was really determined to keep everybody employed in the business you know not to let anybody go to find alternative ways of delivering so um became a a bit of an expert um, pretty quickly in ways to bring experiential learning online and was kind of lucky in a way because as well as um, running lots of what I call commercial programmes, we also do lots of qualifications. We're an Institute of Leadership and Management Centre, a City and Guild Centre, an Apprenticeship Centre. So we were kind of lucky that we were forced to adapt really quickly in a way because things like apprenticeships and qualifications have to carry on whether or not you can get together face to face in the room Mm. so I think it was you know with the first lockdown I think I only had about 10 days to develop the first full day of live virtual training that needed to be delivered Um, so we, we sort of were forced to adapt really quickly and and become quite expert in ways to make learning online engaging mm. you know we we were lucky we came across a few different companies you know some of the experiential learning tool companies um sort of slowly started to put things online but then there was a, a really good company um based out in i think turkey um gaming R um but it came around, and so we were able to use some games and exercises from that online as
0: well. Yeah, it is a challenge, isn't it, when you know you're so used to having people together and then you're having to work apart to sort of keep things engaging, isn't it, and keep learning moving? Because you're absolutely right. I mean, learning couldn't just stop. I mean, there are many skills gaps in this country that need to be closed, and training has to continue, people have to keep filtering through into that workforce. Um, and a big problem with um, w- with sort of that side of things um, as well, um, when you are sort of working apart in that sense, and that contact isn't there, is I suppose you can miss a lot of social cues, which are also quite key to mental health and well being, um, indicators yeah. of how well someone's doing that perhaps you wouldn't necessarily sort of see in the uh, the office environment. Um, was it easy from your perspective to kind of keep tabs uh, from that point of view and just make sure that you know you're safeguarding everybody? Um, making sure that they're in the right headspace, making sure that everything's okay, but also kind of looking after yourself and your own work-life balance as well during that time.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I was quite lucky in that way because um, my office is literally walking distance from my house, I guess, you know, i set it up that way. But that meant that when um, I had to send everybody home, um, and they were all working from home and there was definitely that challenge of making sure they were okay um, was really thankful for Zoom technology. Um, I was able, you know, to maintain a sort of ordinary working routine and, um, you know, get get dressed, <laughs> um, come down the street to my office and be the only person on my own in my office. But with four children, that was Um, pretty important you know to be able to to get away and concentrate on Mm. on leaving the organization so so um so it was easy for me but in terms of um checking in on staff and everything I mean you do lose a lot don't you from not being face-to-face which Mm. is why I think um running things like um team events you know to reconnect teams together and everything has been even more popular um even more in demand in 2021 last year than it was you know in 2019 Mm. so um a lot of people have struggled you know in that virtual environment being disconnected from their teams and are are really really keen to get back together again which has Mm. benefited our business last
0: Yeah, um yeah that's really positive and um, i can imagine that as people try and bring their teams together and sort of you know bring more team bonding exercises into the equation i mean that's going to be something that's going to continue to be important and you know um, from those kind of things that you learned from the pandemic you know how to make learning more engaging through sort of virtual channels Mm -hmm. is that something that's going to be sort of persisting within the business for the future now and you're going to use that as almost like a permanent expansion to your offering
1: Yeah, I mean, I think blended learning is is always a good thing, Mm. you know, for everybody. We don't sort of remember everything that we're taught, you know, the first time. So it's kind of good to have a backup. And if if I just take the example of apprenticeships, for example, you know, um, there are a whole series of face-to-face experiential workshops, but you also have some short virtual masterclasses because it's not you know worth all traveling and getting together and not good for the environment if it's just you know a couple of hours session and you also have um, learning portals in the background you know with all of the information on and work to do on there as a backup and you're also applying that learning you know in the business as you go along so I think they do tend to be quite a good example of of the power of blended learning, you know, and you can um, sort of take quite inexperienced leaders and managers and through a blended learning programme, you know, over a year, sort of end up with a massive, massive difference, you know, in people's skill and capability. So we wouldn't get rid of it, but we would like, if at all possible and uh, no other... Uh, pandemics occurring to retain you know an emphasis on on the face-to-face which I think people really do need and is really good for their mental health.
0: I think you're very right because we are social creatures aren't we as human beings and we've seen over the pandemic how much we miss that contact and it's important for sort of innovation as well I mean over in uh, the United States they call them those water cooler moments just talking to people in sort Mm. of the office environment wherever you're working those are the key sort of innovation drivers and we do certainly need that. You're absolutely right. Um, And just thinking about, of course, um, we talked about how the business um, has kind of, you know, developed and sort of expanded its offering as a result of the lessons learned from covid but just Mm -hmm. thinking about yourself personally now shirley as a sort of business leader would you say Mm -hmm. that from obviously getting managing this crisis situation and obviously managing everything else that you've had to deal with that's been thrown at the business in the past as well would you say that those sort of setbacks have sort of been some of the best learning experiences from you for you personally and that you know you've come out of these almost more resilient than you were before Mm
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I do think that. I mean, it's sort of the extreme, isn't it, of mm. experience or learning, learning from, from an experience. And um, I think, I guess the things that it's taught me, apart from increased resilience, is sort of that importance of having hope, you know, being hopeful, having that sort of underlying belief that, we're going to get through this we're going to be able to sort it out you know that you kind of try and transmit to everybody else around you in the business and also that just um determination you know to adapt and to be really flexible and to adapt very quickly you know not to rest on your laurels kind of thing
0: yeah absolutely and As a result of the pandemic, as well as just sort of a personal observation um, here, um, I'm seeing a lot of people when it comes to, you know, the current recruitment environment, actually looking far more into, you know, what a company does in terms of its corporate social responsibilities, in terms of how much it values sort of mental health and well-being within the workplace. Um, from your perspective, just given that we are talking so much more about it now as a result of COVID, thrusting it into the national limelight, just how important is mental health within work, both in terms of safeguarding your own as a leader and also that of the colleagues that you're working with?
1: Yeah, I think I think it is um, really important to... I think one of the challenges that really seems to have happened, I'm seeing in a lot of my client workplaces, is that this whole hybrid working situation, you know, and increasing the amount that we can do online, Mm. has really increased the pace of work. You know, when we were sort of traveling an hour to an hour's meeting, there were kind of much, you know, many more natural breaks in the day to kind of reflect. And think and prioritize. Um, and I think this, the current situation has really decreased that. So we need to be sort of much more deliberate about enabling people to slow down a little bit and think and reflect and prioritize. And that's probably why, you know, coaching, for example, is so much on the rise because people need that space. Um, and I think. It also means that because less and less people are sort of wanting to go into the office on a regular basis, they're having to find other ways, you know, to have that space. And then when they do get together with other people, Mm. they want that time to be really worthwhile, you know, and really special
0: and understandably so as well don't they I mean it it needs to be a release for them it needs to be important it needs to be sort of beneficial from their point of view going into the workplace socializing with colleagues and being productive and I think you are very right I mean as good as the remote um, and sort of hybrid working system as being it is very much a double-edged sword in terms of workload Mm -hmm. has gone up expectations have gone up as a result of that and people can be on their emails um, at say sort of nine ten o'clock at night so it's about sort of managing yourself personally, and is, isn't it? Managing your time and sort of maintaining that work-life balance because if any lesson has been sort of significant in the corporate world as a result of COVID, it is that work-life balance is incredibly important and, you know, we need to take that time out and take a step back as and when we need to. And that's from not just, of course, those at the bottom, but it's from the top down, isn't it? Leadership also has to sort of take on the mantle of doing that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think the sort of role modeling that is important, but I can't say that I'm absolutely the best at it <laughs> um, um, because I am mm. a bit of a fan of the old zero inbox idea. So I like to sort of do emails, um, you know, evenings and weekends myself so that when I'm actually at work, I can get things done, <laughs> get things designed, you know, talk to clients, that kind of thing.
0: Absolutely. So right. I'm probably
1: not the best example from an email <laughs> point of view, but I do try really hard to make sure that um, staff and colleagues at work, you know, don't feel that they need to work outside of their working hours.
0: Mm. And that that's important, isn't it? Of course, just showing that kind of consideration for them, also that humility in leadership. And I think um, as well, we're seeing sort of that kind of open door leadership policy sort of starting to become the norm now isn't it there's a lot more of a holistic style of leadership that's emerging in the modern day and we're moving away from that very traditional sort of command and control sort of thing that we're maybe sort of used to seeing from many many decades ago so like the most successful leaders now are those that show that you know they can have full consideration of their team show that humility treat everybody as equals and you'll find that in crisis situations like COVID where you need to make sort of seismic change overnight to keep things working, your colleagues are likely to go above and beyond for you should you treat them in that appropriate way?
1: Yeah, yeah definitely and I mean obviously because part of our job here at Azesta is um, teaching leadership so and I think it's not been about command and control, you know, even for the past 20 years, you know, but much more about role modeling and inspiring and challenging and enabling, you know, other people to, um, act on their own authority, um, as well as plenty of thanking them and encouragement. So, um, Mm. yeah, probably a lot of what we teach, you know, has its roots in, um, humility and the whole
0: sort of servant leadership idea yeah humility and trust isn't it absolutely right and you know as this idea really starts to kind of like take off even further over the uh, the coming weeks and months um i would be interested shirley just before we wrap things up on the program today to kind of understand what sort of some of your business ambitions are for the next year or so and what you're hoping to achieve because you know we're out of the acute phase of covid and you know, we're into sort of an uncertain period of time with a lot of global forces in play at the moment, of course. Um, but from sort of your business perspective, you know, what do you really see being on the horizon for you?
1: Well, um, a few things. We're kind of in a growth phase at the moment. Mm. Um, we're moving to new offices this year, um, which are a bit bigger than our current offices. So probably um, a little bit the opposite to what a lot of people are doing with we're cutting down that office space and we do have quite a few people working remotely but it is also important for us to be able to get together physically you know because we work with physical tools in our experiential learning work so we're growing we're moving um offices we're also um very focused on our b corp status so um, mm. although we've already got that and we've already got a really high score, I think 118 points uh, out of 200 and you need 80 to become a B Corp, um, we want to keep on focusing on, you know, becoming even more sustainable, reducing energy, mm. um, carrying on tracking and focusing on employee engagement um, and looking really carefully at, Um, the credentials of our suppliers and tracking the beneficiaries of our services as well, just to make sure that we're doing absolutely everything we can to be really sustainable for the long term.
0: And that's because, isn't it, uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic, as we were coming out of it, um, so many business leaders were saying that, you know, the next big thing that we're going to have to address, come together to address as a country, as, as industry, is climate change. And so that's certainly yeah. going to be on everybody's minds moving forward. And I think we've learned a lot again, haven't we, from uh, sort of the lockdown period as to how we can operate more flexibly, much more streamline our processes. And, yeah, it's going it to seems like it's going to be really exciting times um, over the uh, the next uh, few months and years. And uh, as we start to kind of see how, as Esther kind of takes that challenge in its stride, Shirley, I'd relish the opportunity to welcome you back onto the show and just see how things are all coming together for you. Thanks, Scott.
1: That will be great.
0: It's been an immense pleasure welcoming you onto the programme today, Shirley. I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, your company on the show, and I'm sure the uh, the listeners share that sentiment as well. And uh, lastly, just before we do finish up, uh, please do also take care and stay safe with all still going on as well. Thanks, Scott. It was a real pleasure welcoming Shirley Gaston, founding director of Azesta, onto today's programme, and I do hope that everybody tuning in thoroughly enjoyed the interview today. Um, if you do happen to be listening in and you are a business owner or leader of an organisation yourself and you feel that your company has its own tale to share with us here at the Leaders' Council, then by all means, we do want to hear from you. So why not also apply to be on the programme via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Until next time, you have been listening to the Leaders' Council podcast with your host, Scott Challoner. Do take care and goodbye.